more signs than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am going, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, I am you cannot come? On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of olives. If you have an understanding of the gospel, well, let me back up. <laughs> when was the gospel of John written? Our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed and crucified in 33 AD. The gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written within the next few years. The Gospel of John was not written for about 50 plus years more. The Gospel of John, John's three letters that we have, and the book of Revelation 
which was the revelation of Jesus Christ that he gave to his servant John <laughs> to lay out, that was written about 92 or 3 A.D., about 60 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So what I'm suggesting to you is as John is laying out this gospel and as it's making its way through the churches in the Mediterranean region and as people are, they've already had exposure to Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel. What do we know from those gospels about Jesus? Well, Jesus is God the Son become flesh. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, Isaiah the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And we know that Jesus was born of a virgin by the name of Mary, who was originally from the town of Nazareth, her already legal husband. They had done the paperwork. It's at their version of the county courthouse. They hadn't gone through the marriage ceremony yet. They were not living together. They hadn't had been joined together sexually. There, that's, a, that's going to happen. That's all set in place. And she has this vision from God. This, You're going to bear the Son of God. And Joseph likewise when he was told that by Mary, he's falling apart. He's going to go to the county courthouse. He's going to go quietly, 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 because he doesn't want her to be under a pile of rocks. He's going to quietly set aside the legal requirement to marry her. He's there gonna, and God spoke to him and said, no, that which is born of her is the Messiah is the fulfillment of the Isaiah prophecy. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You are to, and Joseph heeded that. They became married. They went to Bethlehem. And the scripture is very pointed. They did not know one another until after the birth of Jesus. But they go from Nazareth. They go to Bethlehem. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Jesus is a descendant of David. His legal father, Joseph, ha actually has the right to the throne of David. Mary, likewise, is a descendant of David through a different line. By the way, that's important because one of those fellows in that line of David, God had promised, David, you'll have a descendant on the throne forever. But one of those fellows' descendants was so wicked that God said he will never have a descendant on the throne. Well, how do you keep the promise to David and keep the promise to that fellow? Answer, Joseph was the legal father of Jesus, but Jesus is also a descendant of David through his actual mother. So God resolved that issue beautifully. But he's born in Bethlehem. He spends the first two years or so in Bethlehem. Then Herod the Great finds out from the Magi <laughs> that Hey, we're, we've come here to worship your Messiah. Can you tell us where he is? We can go worship him. What, 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 what? And he goes and inquires of the theologians, where is Messiah to be born? Well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And so the Magi came to Bethlehem. They entered the house, not stable, the house where here's the toddler. And it's not the word for an infant. It's the word for a toddler where the toddler is. 
And here's Mary, Joseph's off at work, (laughs) and they worshiped him. And then God warned them, get out of Dodge. Don't go back to Herod the Great who said, hey, I want to know where he is so I can come and worship him too. Don't do that. And so they sneaked out, went another direction, back home to the Tiger Euphrates area. And Joseph was again warned by God, by an angel, go to Egypt, take him to Egypt, hide him. And by the way, that's also a fulfillment of prophecy because when they come back, it says in Matthew's gospel, out of Egypt I have called my son, born in Bethlehem of the seed of David, out of Egypt I have called my son, and then they take him to Nazareth, branch town, Nazar means branch, and he is a branch from the root of David (laughs) and Jesse. And he is from Galilee. What did we just read? Galilee, out of Galilee of the Gentiles, I have caused a great light to shine. Now we read through Matthew, through John's gospel, and what do we find these Jewish people saying? We don't know where Messiah is to be coming from. Oh, isn't he to be born uh, in the city of Bethlehem? And this, by the way, why didn't they know about that about Jesus? Well, when Joseph and Mary came back from Egypt, they got, when they were told Herod the Great had died, they got to Judah and Herod's most insane son is on the throne, has the power there in the Jerusalem area, which is Bethlehem's close by. And again, an angel warned Joseph, don't go there, go back to Galilee, go back to Nazareth, your hometown. And so they took Jesus to Nath, and they, they aren't going to advertise the fact that he's the Messiah because that will get him killed and them killed. They need to hide that. And so the people say, well, isn't he supposed to be born from, in Bethlehem, the seed of David? And the initial readers of John's gospel are saying, uh, yeah, and he is. He was born in Bethlehem. He is of the seed of David, but he's also from Galilee. Well, what prophet has ever come from Galilee? A Galilee of the Gentile? Are you kidding me? What does the scripture prophesy? In Galilee of the Gentiles, I have shown a great light. And what's truly shocking is the Jewish leader. Whenever you read the Jews in any of the gospels, it's just the Jewish leadership. It's not just the common people. It's the Jewish leadership. What prophet has ever come from Galilee? Oh. (laughs) The prophet who least wanted to be a prophet and the prophet whom they pretend never even existed. That prophet, Jonah. Jonah was from the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, Galilee, And why, when God came to him and said, okay, I want you to go to the Assyrian capital, Nineveh. Why is Galilee called a land of darkness? Because when the Assyrians invaded the western third of the Fertile Crescent, they came up the Tigris-Euphrates Valley, then they came down the Jordan Valley, that western third of the Fertile Crescent, and what's the first part of Israel they encountered? Galilee, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, and they were the most cruel conquerors 
perhaps the world has ever seen. Maybe Genghis Khan rifled them. But they were masters of siege warfare and you surrendered. If you had any sense at all, you surrendered when the Assyrians showed up because if you didn't, they would torture you to death. And Zebulun and Naphtali were the first tribes of Israel to been smashed by the Assyrians. And now here is Jonah being told, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach mercy to them because I don't want to judge those Assyrians. And that's the last thing that he wants to see happen. He wants the Assyrians to be judged. He wants Nineveh destroyed. And so what does he do? He runs the other direction, gets on a boat because God has a plan. He doesn't just want to save the Assyrians. There's also this boatload of guys <laughs> that also he has a purpose in saving. So he puts Jonah on that boat, and they go out, and as you know, they encounter this storm that is so outrageously off any of those sailors' experience, and they are fighting and fighting and fighting the storm, and the ship is barely staying afloat. And they're trying to, and they just, and they cry out to their gods to save them, their pagan gods, and it's not working, nothing's happening. And they finally say to this guy who's not praying at all, what's going on? Why aren't you praying? Well, because I'm the reason for this whole storm, and I know my God won't hear me. And What? Oh, yeah, I'm fleeing my God, and I'm a prophet. I'm a fleeing my God, and that's why we're in the midst of this storm. Are you nuts? And they kept fighting he told them, if you'll just throw me overboard, the storm will stop and you'll be fine. They had more kindness for him than he did for them. They fought the storm some more. Finally, they threw up their hands and said, we've got to do what he said because we're going to all drown along with him. So they threw him overboard. And poof, storm stopped. Calm seas. And he got swallowed by a great fish, not a whale, a great fish. And he spent three days in the belly of that fish. And then that fish spit him out on the shore because he prayed from the belly of the fish. Okay, Lord, anything to get out of the belly of this fish, I'll even go to Nineveh. And so the fish spit him out on the shore, by the way, the principal god of the Assyrians, the Ninevites, was the god Dagon. And Dagon's emblem was the fish. <laughs> and so here is this fellow that survived being in the belly of their god, so to speak, for three days. What do you think he looks like? Just rolling around in stomach acid? <laughs> and what do you think he smells like? <laughs> and so he gets to Nineveh and he tells the Ninevites, okay, my God has sent me to you to tell you you need to repent or he will hammer you. And they repented. They re there was a massive revival. God poured out a spirit of grace, supplication, and mourning on them. They repented. And it act, we even know from pagan history, from the Oxford 
world history set who when the, their volume on the Assyrians it was about 700 BC when Jonah showed up and the Assyrian culture was going downhill fast it was collapsing and all of a sudden they stabilized and for the next generation they were stable and then they fell off a moral cliff again and that's when God finally did ultimately judge them. But that's from the Oxford English, the Oxford series of books on ancient civilizations. It's not a Christian, but that's what, what's the coinciding? Jonah showed up. God sent Jonah. So here's Jonah from Galilee. What do the Jewish, oh, what prophet has ever come from Galilee? Uh, Jonah. And who, does, who is the prophet Jesus compares himself to? There will be no sign given to this generation, to this people, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. As he was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then I will come forth. And he did. And yet, unlike, and then he continues, unlike those wicked, wicked, wicked Assyrians, you still will not repent. Smack, smack. As we read through John's Gospel, we've got people saying, where do, we don't know where Messiah is coming, and then, well, we know Messiah is coming from Bethlehem, of the seed of David, and, oh, it can't be from Galilee. What does it say? Oh, yes, in Galilee of the Gentiles, I've shown a great light. And it will bring perpetual, unending blessing to God's people. These are supposed to be the men of, the, of learning. They don't know what the culture thinks they know. They're not as well educated as they pretend to be. But what's also interesting in John's Gospel is that Jesus never bothers correcting them. You read through John's Gospel... And Jesus does continually point to his point of origin. But it's not Bethlehem. It's not the family of David. It's not Galilee. It's not Nazareth. It's heaven. My Father has sent me. I have come from heaven. He constantly is. And John the, the apostle is emphasizing that. How does he begin his gospel? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God in a face-to-face -face relationship. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and then God said, God, yeah, then God said, then God said, then God said, and we have the laying out of the creation. And what does John say in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God, the Greek word order, and God was the Word. And the Word became flesh and tented, tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory. Just like the glory that was hidden in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. No, He tabernacled among us in His human flesh. But we saw His glory. 
We heard his words. We saw the signs that he did. We saw him calm the sea. We saw him walk on the water. We saw him cast out demons by the thousands. We saw him give sight to the blind. We saw him raise the... We saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Throughout this this first half of John's Gospel, chapters 1 through 12, which is meant for unbelievers to read, Jesus is incessantly pointing to his true point of origin, ultimate point of origin, the Father, the Father, the Father has sent me, the Father sent me, the Father, I am come from down from heaven, I'm come down from heaven, I'm come down from heaven. You think that's not freaking out? The Jewishly, oh yeah, but what's he also doing? He's giving them evidence upon evidence upon evidence upon evidence. When Jesus was arrested, given an illegal trial, then even in defiance of Roman law, crucified. The man who orders crucifixion said, I'm washing my hands of the blood of this just man. I'm doing this only because I want to not have a riot. And Jesus paid sin's penalty for us, was raised from the dead, and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And the gospel went out and went, but Jesus returned to his Father. And what is the testimony? We have two testifiers in John's gospel up to this point. Two testifiers, Jesus himself, but also John the Baptist. These are the words of John the Baptist. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, this is in the company of his own disciples, John's own disciples. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. Wait a minute, John. Your mother Elizabeth conceived and gave birth to you six months before Jesus was conceived and given birth to. How was he before you? <laughs> For he was before me. Why? Because he, his point of origin is eternity past. He is God come in the flesh. This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who is preferred before me for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water and John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And then John again, John the Baptist again in chapter 3. Verses 13, 20, excuse me, verses 26 to 36. And they came to John. John's own disciples came to John. 
and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Our ministry is diminishing and his is growing. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. (coughs) Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above. What does John point to as Jesus' true point of origin? He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth, like me, (laughs) he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all, and what he has seen and heard That he testified, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony, the majority response is not to believe, no matter what evidence he presents. They won't, but why? Because they are actually worshiping themselves. They are actually worshiping themselves. They want, especially the Jewish leadership, this den of... This den of thieves, which they have turned the temple into, that's their money machine. And they will put Jesus to death, the man whom they know is Messiah, rather than set aside their criminal enterprise. He who comes from above is above all. He who speaks of the earth is earthy and speaks of the earth. He who, is, who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Holy Spirit by measure. Does not give to him the Holy Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John the Baptist, still speaking, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides, remains on him. And Jesus' own words about himself and his point of origin The paragraph before what I just read to you, he's speaking to Nicodemus in chapter 3, verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who comes down from heaven, 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 that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. I've got two lives going on, Nicodemus. I've got the life I've got here. I'm also a resident of heaven. I'm in perpetual, constant fellowship with my Father.
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so, Jesus' words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The only thing that delivers from condemnation before the Holy God is transferring your trust from your own goodness, your own works, your own righteousness to the work of Jesus Christ, and you experience a welcome with God. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. What does Jesus point to as his point of origin? Heaven. Nicodemus, I'm from heaven. I'm from heaven. The people keep bringing up, he's from Galilee. Hey, Messiah, we don't know where he's from. He's of the seed of David from Bethlehem. Well, Jesus fulfills all of those things. But the thing he constantly points to, as does John the Baptist, his ultimate point of origin is heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have authentically come to faith in Jesus Christ, you've, trans- you've abandoned any trust in your own goodness, your own works, in favor of what Jesus has accomplished for you. You have a, an intimate relationship with the Son who came from heaven for that very purpose. You are joined to Him to have fellowship with Him. That's the definition of eternal life. The least important thing, aspect of eternal life is that, it, is that it's everlasting. The most important thing, it is everlasting, unrestrained communion with the Holy God. Folks, that's called mercy. That's called grace. That's called love. That's called kindness. And he embraces us with that. John the Baptist, where is he from? He's from heaven. The Lord Jesus himself, where am I from? I'm from heaven. I have a whole lot more passages here to read, but we will move on back to chapter 7. We're in the midst, in chapter 7, we're in the midst of this issue where he's, he went into the temple, he went to the Feast of Tabernacles. By the way, the Feast of Tabernacles, what is this Tabernacles? Every year, the Jews, to commemorate by God's order, 
They were to commemorate God's provision to their forefathers and mothers for 40 years in the world. They're to, they're to camp out. They're to go live in tents, tabernacles is the fancy word, and they're to camp out. And that is a commemoration of what God did for them, for their forefathers and mothers in 40 years in the wilderness. They're commemorating, and they had the bread from heaven, the manna, continually provided to them. That's what sustained them. They also had a river of water that came out of the rock, a river of water that followed them through the desert. We're talking two and a half to four million people. And what has Jesus already said? I am the bread from heaven. Eat of me. Eat my flesh. Ouch. I am the bread from heaven. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, but I am the bread from heaven. Eat of me. But also in the passage that I read, what does he say? Drink of me. I'm also like that river that followed them, that sustained them, that slaked their thirst for 40 years. Verse 25, now some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? Just in the previous paragraph, Jesus says, why are you seeking to kill me? What are you talking about? Are you possessed by a demon? He's trying to kill you. Then, oh, wait. I think this is the guy that the Jewish leadership has already put on the hit list. They all know about it. Oh, that must be Jesus. Now they've come, oh, this is Jesus. Look, he speaks boldly. And they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ, the Messiah? Why aren't they arresting him? They've said publicly they plan to. They will. First opportunity. Are they? No, they're not. They're not following through on their threat. What's going on? Look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. He is Jesus of Nazareth. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. What? I'm going to tell you something, folks. Not everybody in the Judean culture was biblically literate, okay? <laughs> they weren't all biblically literate. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, You both know me and you know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who come, but he who sent me, he who sent me, he who sent me. Well, who sent him? His father sent him. Heaven sent me. That's my true point of origin. I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true whom you do not know. These people are standing in God's temple in Jerusalem, and what does Messiah say to them? You don't know. You don't have an authentic relationship with the God of your fathers, with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You don't know him. You have a screen of religiosity set up around you, but God can see through it. My father can see through it, so can I.
but I know him. You don't know him, but I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore, they sought to take him. But no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. They wanted to take him and drag him away and drag him to the Sanhedrin. No, it's not time. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? This guy has presented us an enormous, all, more evidence than we need. More evidence than we need. This truly must be the Messiah. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take. They sent, the, and the temple had a police force, so to speak. And they were sent to arrest Jesus. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. No, you are not in charge. I don't care what threat you think you can mount. I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. I don't know how those words can be any plainer. This, the Father who sent me, I will return to him. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. And they're, they're mentally agitated, and what in the world is he talking about? Is he going to go among the dispersion in the Mediterranean world? Is he going to teach the Greeks? Is it, what's going on here? What is this thing that he said, verse 36, you will seek me and not find me, and where I'm going, you cannot come. On the last day. So that's end of that episode. Now we're going to the last day of the feast, and the Feast of Tabernacles was several days long. They camped out for a while. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He's already said to them, made the promise, I am the bread from heaven. If you partake of me, you have life eternal. He's already said to the woman at the well in chapter 4, when he asked a, a drink from this Samaritan woman, and she said, how can you, a Jew, speak to me, a Samaritan? We hate each other, did it, and you're asking me for... Well, if you had asked of me, I would have given you living water, and it would have slaked your thirst forever. <laughs> what? You're better than Jacob, our forefather, who dug this well and did it? Uh, as a matter of fact, I am, because I will, build, I will put an artesian well in you that will well up and slake your thirst. Now, he's not talking about physical thirst. He's talking about the, the thirst, the desire for life eternal. And I love it. Here is this woman, married five times. Now she's living with a man who's not her husband, the most disqualified from human eyes, the most disqualified person in the entire town. And she's the one Jesus uses to reach the town. Well, we've heard about Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. 
Well, that Jesus never claimed to be the Messiah. You know, you actually have people saying, ah, yeah, he did repeatedly. (laughs) I who speak to you am he. And she ran into the town, left her bucket behind, ran into the town, and went to the men in the town square and said, this man told me everything about me that I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And they went out and rushed out there to, so they could render her their expert opinion. And the whole town turned to Jesus, the one who could slake their thirst for eternal life. Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David, from the town of Bethlehem where David was. So they've gone from nobody knows where he's coming from. Oh, he's going to come from Bethlehem and from the seed of David. Well, they don't know he was born in Bethlehem. They don't know what his descent is. So there was a division among the people because of him. Now, some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. They, it wasn't time. Then the officers came to the chief priest. Remember, the chief priest sent the the temple guard to arrest this guy and bring him here to us at the Sanhedrin. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers said, no man ever spoke like this man. Uh, That's a whole lot easier for you to give us the command than it is for us to do it. Because we, we listened to what he had to say and frankly, guys... This is the soldiers. This is the policemen addressing the Sanhedrin leaders. This man is spiritually radioactive. <laughs> we, uh, 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 it's a whole lot easier for you to give us that command than it is for us to fulfill it. Nobody ever spoke like this guy. He is spiritually radioactive. No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Well, yeah. (laughs) But this crowd that does not know the law is a Knowing the law was really impressive to the people. So it must be impressive to God, right? Nah. (laughs) These people who don't know the law... Forget about them. They are accursed. Nicodemus. Oh, he's there. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He is the fellow that came in John chapter 3. It's laid out. Came to Jesus by night. You have to be from God or you couldn't be doing these signs. (laughs) Nicodemus, who came to, to Jesus by night, being one of them, said, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? You, my fellow members of the Sanhedrin, are breaking the law by what you're doing. You're condemning him when you haven't even given him a hearing. Do they respond to him by citing the law and rebuke? No, 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 (laughs) no. Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. That can be translated, or shall Wrong on both points. Jonah. 
the guy who didn't want to be a prophet, the guy whom they least <laughs> wish had ever been a prophet, Jonah. And yes, indeed, in Isaiah, in Galilee of the Gentiles, there is shown a great light. They got it wrong from every direction. And they're the religious so-called Bible scholars. Are you also from Galilee? Search and look for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee or shall arise out of Galilee. They got it wrong. wrong. Now John, as I said, he wrote this gospel a few decades after the other gospels were written. The initial readers of his gospel are going, we know what it says in Matthew inciting the Hebrew Scriptures. We know what it says in Luke inciting the Hebrew Scriptures. How could they be so ignorant? They were advertised themselves as Bible scholars. But their own egos, their own criminal enterprise fenced them off from an authentic understanding of God and his word and his ways. Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house, both there at the Sanhedrin and in the... They all went away, and then chapter 8, verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. All of the things that they wanted to do to stop Jesus failed. And you've got the soldiers and Nicodemus both rebuking the Sanhedrin. No man ever spoke like this man. What, you're going to judge him before you even give him a hearing? You men of the law? Question. Why hasn't everybody on this planet run to the Savior? He offers mercy. He offers grace, love, kindness. He's the only, the God of the Bible is the only good God the world knows of. All of the gods of paganism, and folks, paganism is alive and well on planet Earth. Some places more obviously than others, like India, the Buddhist nations, but we're all for, apart from Christ, it's all a form of paganism. There is no place to go where there is a good God except the God who discloses himself in the Word and in the person of his Son. Why doesn't the human race go running to him? I know what's best for me. I got it all worked out for myself. And Jesus is just going to Get, get in my way. The same thing we see these people doing in John's Gospel is what we see. Some of them believe. The majority, no. But there was a, also a significant number that said, yes, truly, this is the Christ, the Son of God. We look around and we see exactly the same template. We read here, we see it happening around us, but we can also pray, and God does, and he did it in that day, pour out a spirit of repentance 
Let's pray together. Our Lord, you are the God of history. You are the God of our life experience. You are the God of all that is taking place on this planet and in the heavens. And you have laid out what awaits us in the future. We ask for each one of us here, and I'm including myself in this prayer, whatever there is in our lives, in what we have embraced, in what we value, that is in defiance of what you value, of what you have set before us, that you would make it clear to us and give to us that spirit of repentance, that spirit of submission to you, that we might be cleansed of our foolishness and become blessed by your wisdom energized in us. Change our outlook to match yours. Change our value system to match yours. That we might be full recipients of all of heaven's promised glory. We ask this of you, loving Redeemer, Jesus, and all God's people said,